0: My name's Red, and I want to tell you about Transformers.
1: My curiosity is aroused.
2: Oh, more than meets These fools worship Transformers.
0: Decepticons,
1: transform and rise up. Robots with emotions.
3: Robots who can die. Arrest.
2: Silence. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Transformer Tuesdays. Um, You know, you... Some of our long term listeners may in fact remember that when fanholes first started uh Transformers was in the uh description that we gave you know it was a transformer's science fiction and sci-fi or fantasy podcast. So, you know, we, we've been doing all these spin-offs. so we figured, you know, why not? We should have, like, a Transformers one, because obviously we all love it, and, you know, it's it's what brought us all together in the first place, more or less. And, you know, sometimes, like, me and Tony can't, like, shut up about it. So, you know, we, I, I figured this would be a nice outlet for those, like, not being able to shut up about it-ness, you know. But in any case, um, in this... Uh, Basically, we're going to, you know, focus on Transformers in this spinoff and talk about, like, maybe some older comics and cartoons and stuff. And maybe, maybe we'll throw in some newer ones, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. And uh we're going to, like... Uh go around and pretty much everyone who wants to participate will like choose something to focus on each episode. So for my the inaugural episode, I chose a uh, Marvel UK story um, called The Enemy Within, which is notable for being uh, Simon Furman's very first written Transformers work. So I thought that would be kind of appropriate for the very first episode. Um, it's notable in that not only is is his first, but it, uh, Simon Furman himself has said that he never wanted it to be reprinted because he doesn't think it's very good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think it's, like, terrible or anything. It's not, I don't know if it's very, like, noteworthy, but, I, you know, I think it's a solid, like, tale. Um, it's, it's five issues, and, like, the UK comics were, like, Larger magazine size, and uh, they're about, I think it's 11 pages a piece, like half the size of a US comic. I don't suppose I could interest any of you in a magazine subscription. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a nice little self contained thing that we could analyze and whatnot. Before I go in, uh, start, like, uh, I'll synopsize, like, the things we talk about, but I'd just like to ask you guys, like, when was the first time you, like, were exposed to, like, the UK comic? Like, I know, obviously, we've all gotten, like, the uh, Marvel US comics, like as kids and stuff, but when was the first time when you realized like there were like a whole like slew of UK stories that like you never had access to?
4: Uh, mine's really easy, uh, Man of Iron, that they repented in the Marvel comics because I picked that up and they like. <clears throat> By the way, this is Tony, um, and <laughs> they uh, they they ended like on kind of a cliffhanger in the Marvel comics, and they're like. Next month, uh, the census-shattering story from Marvel UK uh, about uh, Man of Iron. And it was just pretty much like Jazz walking around and being like, yeah, setting stuff on fire. I'm big. And (laughs) it it was very interesting because they were very toy accurate and, like, not very cartoon accurate. There was no Floro deary designs. It was like they looked very, very toy-etic. And um, it it was a, a very interesting story. But it did kind of throw me off because I wasn't used to it. But uh, that that was my, my introduction to, like, uh, Marvel UK Transformers.
3: I remember thinking it was funny. Like, it was supposed to be a life lesson. Like, don't get into strange cars with people that sound like Scatman <laughs> <laughs> Crothers or whatever. Or you, might get kid- you might get kidnapped. Um, this is Derek, by the way. Uh, I figure we'll just use this opportunity to introduce ourselves as we discuss our first uh introduction to transformers UK comics which was cracking me up because when I was reading that intro that uh, who, who wrote the intro in the those oh platforms?
2: yeah we're d- what do you call um, IDW? Like we were, I was just saying that Simon Furman never wanted this story to be reprinted, but it has been. Um, IDW has been releasing like these big nice volumes of classics UK stories, and it's got a commentary uh, primarily written by James Roberts, who That's is it, like yeah. yeah the writer of More Than Meets the Eye currently. So like he kind of gets interviews with all the creators who like uh, worked on these stories and whatnot.
3: I, I know. I know this is like a silly thing, but when I was reading it they they basically say, okay the the comic, of course, was called Transformers but they're like, to distinguish it from the American version in these write-ups and little history blurbs, you know, we're going to call it, you know, uh, T-F-U-K or U-K or, or whatever. But, like, when I'm reading it, I'm all, you're going to call it T-Fuck? Like, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was T-Fuckers! Like,
3: okay. So, yeah, I, that was, that was. I don't know why. I was just being stupid juvenile. I was like, ha, 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 T-Fuck, T-Fuck. T-fuck. But um, I guess for me the the day it dawned on me that there were more than just US comics was uh I had a good buddy of mine and um we we always used to hang out and, and read comics and you know play with transformers and G.I. Joes and superpowers and all kinds of stuff but he had an older brother And his older brother was, he he was interested in certain things that we were interested in, but mainly his main focus seemed to be Transformers. And so what was always weird was every once in a while, a rare once in a while, it would be like, oh, you know, come into the older brother's room, which was rare. And, like, of course, he kept all his Transformers, like, in the boxes. And, like, I mean, he, he was very pristine about the whole thing and he had all the transformers like either in his closet and he he kept the boxes and kept the whole packaging and everything and and he was he kind of was ocd about it you know but what was interesting was i remember one day when we were in the older brother's room it was like oh well there are these other comics and i'm like what what are these magazine things and i said what and and my my uh buddy who was the younger brother you know he was explaining to me he's all remember that guy straxus from the you know 16 and 17 with blaster it's like he has other stories and i go really i'm all okay well how does that work you know i thought he was like dead or whatever and they're like well you know he was like ahead and this and that and he's like explaining all this stuff to me and i go wow and you know so i remember reading some of those at his house or whatever but basically it was always like oh well if if they went to i think maybe like WonderCon or some kind of local convention close to us in the Bay Area, they would sort of hunt down these U.K. comics. And, you know, usually, like, I remember back then they had, like, really obscene prices because they were imports for what they were. So it's like you're talking about, you know, an 11-page Transformers story with some fill-in crap, and, you know, people were paying, like, you know, five to six bucks an issue back in the 80s, you know, because it was like Yeah, comics were
4: like 60 cents, yeah.
1: So So that was pretty
3: much my my initial introduction into it, and then, of course, later, they became more readily available with the whole you know the Titan you know reprints and, and those kind of things. There was also a I remember there was like different websites that would have scans of them online like way back when, you know, especially like things like Target 2006 and stuff like that. so that's basically my introduction to the UK comics.
0: So
4: so are you saying, uh, Derek, that I can read about the further adventures of Straxus in Marvel UK comics?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. I am. All
0: right. This is Brian. Um, I actually don't remember, like, hearing anything about it as a kid. Like, it was hard enough for me to come across Transformer comics, like, on their own. Like, I had, like, maybe, you know, six or seven sporadic issues from you know the whole collect the whole entire series and I was like I treasured those so um I really didn't have much knowledge of the stuff overseas probably until the internet I want to say um Either that or maybe like I got some Transformers collector type book and maybe it had like the Titan book series, you know, advertised somewhere in it. Um, and I did end up picking those, the Titan book reprints, and I really enjoyed enjoy those. But I guess that was kind of my first time to actually read through it and know anything about it really.
4: You know, it's, it's kind of funny because Derek will probably agree with me on this. <coughs> Back in the 80s, it was kind of cool to like collect comics because depending on where you were located at – you go to this magical place called a convenience store, and they would have these things called spinner racks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and, hey, I, and yeah. I, I'm the youngest one here, and I still remember those. So
4: yeah, but the, I I, I kind of miss that though because <laughs> you would walk in and be like, oh, let's see what kind of comics they have. And unlike a comic store, which would cater to like you know, oh here's all the fucking comics you can buy, on a spinner rack, you know, it's whatever sells, and like. Thank God Transformers was a pretty good seller, especially early in his run. So, I had I had probably a pretty good run of the early TF comics, and Derek's probably the same way. Like whatever sells is what you can get.
3: Yeah, I remember getting I remember getting a lot of stuff off the the spinner racks initially before I knew what a comics specialty shop was. So I would go to stores like Thrifties, I would go to like Seven Eleven, Quick Stop, like any kind of stores that would have those spinner racks, and then you would just, you know, buy whatever comics were there. And then by the time you sort of were exposed to the advent of you mean there's a store that sells comics? And there, but there, comics? There, are you
1: there serious? There
3: <laughs> are back issues? What? Like then I think the the convenience store still became a resource for people who didn't know any better. So I remember when say, like, Cable's first appearance came out, and then everybody went gonzo over it for whatever insane reason. It was like, oh, Cable! And, like, of course, in the comic stores all those issues of, like, New Mutants 87 were, like, already marked up to, like, you know, 10 bucks, yeah. 12 bucks or whatever. Well, you could go to, like, a quick stop, which is what I did, and they still had New Mutants 87 there, and nobody was, like, the wiser, you know, so you're like, haha, ha score, 75 cents for the motherfucking cable, you know, so stuff like that.
2: Yeah, it was fun. The, the, the good old days as for me i was just going to say like my older cousin like he was in my his he was in his 20s when i was like in my like guy, like not even a teenager yet so he used to be really huge into comics and he had like stacks and stacks of long boxes of stuff he'd read and stuff he's collected and like he used to just give me like whole long boxes of stuff and he'd be like you know here kid have this like i don't really want it anymore you know and like as, eventually when i got into transformers he'd be like oh you like transformers Huh? Well, like you know, here's some like super rare ones from like you know in Europe, and I was like, oh really? And you know, I got the, I had a like it was only like three or four of them, like the big magazine kinds, and they were kind of ratty. But like it, one part, it was like one part of Time Wars, so I was like, what Megatron and Galvatron together? Like that makes no sense. Like <laughs> and like for the longest time, I was like, how do I get more of these? Like where can I read them? And of course, yeah, when the with the advent of the internet. I remember there was, like, one, like, probably, like, Angel Fire site or something. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, it had, like, the entire UK run scanned, and I must have, like, over the course of, like, three days, I must have, like, blown through the entire run. I was like, this is awesome! Like, you know, but... And my mom would be like, "Are you doing your homework?" And I'm like, "Yes," <laughs> but really, I wasn't. I was thinking <laughs> about you know, Megatron and Galvatron killing people. But. Yeah, cause, yeah. People don't people people don't
4: you know realize you know back in the old days, us, us poor young kids, we didn't realize comics were made in like you know other countries. Just America, we don't know what manga is or you know UK. So having your mind blown is like, oh shit, there's like. You mean England makes comics? What the fuck, you know? Yeah.
3: Well, even then, it wasn't like the aftermarket. You know, this is not like the eBay period or whatever. It wasn't like you could just hop on the Internet and type in Transformers oh, yeah. UK and pull up, like, a complete run of the comics or anything. So that Angel Fire site was like, oh, you mean uh, – I, you know, something where, you know, if you did find like an 11 page comic book that costs you like $12 a pop, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was like, that was just kind of not practical, you know? So that was definitely something that was advantageous if you were hungry for something new in the world of Transformers. I mean, it was kind of the same way with the, the, uh, the anime type stuff as well, where you're like, what, there's, there's more Transformers material out there for for a fan to consume, so, like, both of those were really kind of re- new discoveries in a way.
4: Yeah, back in the old days on the internet, you actually had to kind of dig and search. It wasn't so uh, search engine friendly. You had to kind of, you had to work for what you got.
2: Yeah. Well, in any case, I, I, I was going to say also, like, in, in like, of course, like, all the kids in the, like, UK, they were like, of course, you stupid Americans, <laughs> like, our stories are better, you know, yeah. They, they, this was, like, old hat for them by that time, but while well, all of us were like, oh, my God, like, what is this stuff? Because, like, obviously the U.K. comics reprinted the U.S. comics, so they got all, like, our stuff and their own. And not only that, but, like, in some cases they, like, corrected, like, problems in the U.S. comics because it, it either didn't align with their own, like, the U.K. Uh, material or it was, like, just plain wrong to begin with. Yeah.
3: I like how James Roberts says in that intro, he's like, well, the first story I was introduced was, I think it was something like with the Predacons or, or what have you. And then he's like, oh, that was like, you know, changed my life or whatever. But then then he's like, then the next issue I picked up, I, well, it was kind of shoddy and the coloring kind of sucked. And it's like, then I realized that was the U.S. version. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, what?
2: I'm like, oh, man. Well, <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say there is a definite, uh, like, drop off when you compare like the UK like painted art to like you know Nell Yamtoff's like four palette Marvel colors yeah like background block coloring and whatnot (laughs) you don't remember when Jetfire was all gray (laughs) that was a (laughs) great toy yeah can chat and
1: start kicking pig
2: iron! okay well in any case let's uh, i guess we'll get started um I'll, I'll, we'll go chapter by chapter and i'll give a brief synopsis of each one like before we you know get into it but uh uh the enemy within chapter 1 uh written by Simon Furman art by John Ridgway and like i said colors by Gina Hart it's what do you call obviously the colors uh what he? I guess they they paint they like hand painted a lot of the early stuff because they didn't have access to like I don't know whatever Marvel's like color separating program was or whatever whatever they were doing. But, it, it
4: reminds me a lot of like kind of a uh, cell coloring for like
3: it's it's like that old newspaper print type thing. I I forget what the word for it is, but the, you know it was like everything had a certain set of colors and then kind of like kind of like a television where it's, like, red, green, and blue, except for it's a little more complicated than that. And then they just stamped out whatever color. You know, there was only a certain amount of combinations, which is why you yeah. would have, you know, something like, say, you know, Silver Surfer would be a little light blue or, you know, I'm trying to think of things like that, you know, but, like, certain colors were represented alternatively. You that, know, black was, Black was kind of like midnight blue or whatever, unless you inked the whole thing in. And that that wasn't
4: to of, offset printing, or was that later?
3: I'm not
2: sure, I don't know enough about it. Well, in whatever case, it's immaterial. Yes, it is. Uh, what do you call? Uh, okay, so anyway, we start off in the Decepticon base where Megatron and Starscream are arguing, and Starscream's like, "Why don't we just go attack them?" And Megatron's like, "No, we shouldn't." And then he uh, call that, Megatron like drops a reference to Spider Man in because this is yeah. obviously <laughs> after like Marvel number three, which I thought was funny, and uh, like. Starscream gets all pissy, and Megatron's like, get out of here, like, go, go away. And Starscream's like, I'm going to my room. And he, like, flies away, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the usual song and dance. So Megatron's kind of like, well, you know, Starscream had a good point, and the troops are probably, like, you know, a little upset. So uh And Ravage is kind of like Megatron's buddy in this, so he's kind of like, you know, I'll go spy on Starscream and, you know, maybe give it you an excuse to kill him. So anyway... Uh, we jump to the Autobot base where they're doing something, they're moving some machinery or something, and uh, Braun is holding up the machinery that Mirage is working on, and uh, they're trying to fix whatever this big thing is, and uh, there's some kind of short circuit, and it electrocutes both Braun and Mirage, and knocks Braun out, and it does something to Mirage, but we don't know what it is yet. And uh, when Braun wakes up, he's all like angry and stuff, and... Uh, we think the electricity did something to him. I guess he's hallucinating. It's kind of like weird, but
4: maybe feeling the enemy within.
2: Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> he's been manhole covered. Um, we cut back to Starscream. Starscream's like, "Hey, I got a great plan. Maybe if I destroy a bunch of humans, uh, I'll show like everyone else that uh, you know I'm I'm cool, and they'll they'll follow me instead of Megatron. I don't know. He, he's, he's it's pretty... weird. His
3: his plan is." Technically, he says, I'm going to attack this Oregon Air Force base and thereby lure out the Autobots. When I lure out the Autobots, the Decepticons are going to have to come and help me, and then they'll see like what a great tactician I am and anoint me as leader once we defeat them, because <laughs> we're clearly going to win this battle. It's, it's, it's like, not a great plan. plan. And then it's and then not, Ravage is kind of like, that sounds pretty good, but I'm still with Megatron, you know? And I was just kind of like, it does sound good? Okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, they, they did kind of show... For a change, that some of the Decepticons were kind of on Starscream's side before he got all pissy. They were kind of like, well,
3: no, they they uh, there were there were kind of restless people in the in the group but i as far as the plan being like super good i was just kind of like well it seems like there's a lot of things that could go wrong with that i mean he's like why i'm like why are you so sure they're all going to come out and help you like why are you so sure the autobots are going to come out and stop you like all those things don't actually really come to pass so like i think it sort of proves you know kind of like what you're thinking you know like as in you didn't think this through the whole way Starscream. I thought
0: the premise itself was funny because basically Starscream's going to go out like get in enough trouble like that he has to have his ass saved by like the other Decepticons. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And then he thinks
0: they're gonna make him leader. Like that's if I if I like went into like you know, I wanted you guys to make me leader, so I go into some bar and like pick a fight with a bunch <laughs> of bikers, and then start screaming help, 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 and you guys come in and rescue me. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're really going to make me mu- your, uh, your leader. Like ma- so. that
2: guy that needs help, he's <laughs> a great leader. He should obviously be the one who leads us. It was so <laughs> he brilliant. He makes poor way. decisions all the time.
3: <laughs> so brilliant the way Brian ran away from that guy with the broken pool cue stick. Uh, it was awesome.
2: I I also think it's interesting that Megatron's like afraid that like Starscream can actually like take leadership from him like 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 these uh, like all these like you said Derek everyone's kind of restless and like I know like Frenzy and Skywarp or like or Rumble and Skywarp yeah they said it was Rumble, or, like, Rumble right yeah the colors always confuse me but. uh... They kind of say, like, oh, yeah, Starscream, yeah, like, yeah, like, well, that's yeah, what Rob I did. Yeah.
3: Definitely seems to be saying, like, well, you know what Starscream's saying it makes sense. Like, we, I don't feel comfortable not attacking the Autobots, you know? And, and then I think it was, what, was it Skywarp or somebody who was saying, well, we better hold off until Megatron? Like, Megatron's pretty fucking tough. Like, we don't want to cross him, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah.
4: I, I, I will say one of the things that really struck me as soon as I started reading this was, like, the aren't nearly as obvious, but right when we go to the Autobots, it's like, oh shit, toy accurate out the ass, except for Braun being about the size of Optimus Prime. Yeah, I, I, cool. yeah, I
3: thought I thought Brawn. I was like, look, it's broadside, you know, like
0: it's
2: mean, <laughs> <he's laughs>
3: huge.
2: I'm just glad they
0: maintain like sideswipes toy accuracy because he looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a
2: couple pages. Yeah, I love, love that, that face mask. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me let me finish, I'll get to that point in just a second. Um, okay. So anyway, Ravage hears, like, Starscream's plan, and he's like, well, I better go report this to Megatron. Starscream sees Ravage and says, like, no, don't run away, Ravage. Don't run away in your, like, you know, Fox art pose that they clearly <laughs> traced. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, what do you call it? Anyway, Ravage is long gone, and, like, apparently he walks outside, and it's a desert, so he's like, oh, crap, like, this is a terror!" like, I, I shouldn't have walked out this door. So, anyway, I totally forgot we landed here. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I totally forgot where we were. But um, Starscream and Ravage have a little fight in the desert. And um, Starscream buries Ravage under an avalanche. And he's kind of like, okay, well, there's no turning back now because, you know, uh, I fired on another Decepticon. And, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, but, the, you know, my plan might still work, but whatever. So he he takes off to go, uh, what do you call it? Do his do his plan. So anyway, back at the arc, we call Bron's getting more and more pissed off. He's just sitting in a corner because whatever the electric, the uh, being electrocuted did something to him. And as Brian said, an extremely (laughs) like, like an unidentifiable sideswipe, like starts like haggling him and Bron like flips out like and starts like attacking sideswipe and the rest of the Autobots have to restrain him, and Braun's just like, blah, 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 you're all my enemies, you know. I'm- I'm- I like
3: how he's about to, like, crush Sideswipe's head like a vice with a grip, yeah. you know. And, and I also
2: like Sideswipe's, like, last thought is, this is a stupid way to die. <laughs> yeah. I like I like how, um like, the toy accuracy extends to the point where I don't think Braun ever even opens his hands. Like, they're just squares. Claws, like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, well, the toy can't open its hands, so he, neither can Braun. But in any case, Braun punches a big hole in the Ark and says, you know, don't bother me, I'm going to, like, you know, wreck up stuff. And, you know, they the Autobots are like, oh, man, we better tell Optimus Prime that Braun's like, tripping balls there. So but in any case, uh, it ends up the cliffhanger is an um, uh, uh, Air Force base in Oregon, and uh, Starscream attacks it, and you know he's, he's he's enacting his brilliant plan here to get the Decepticons to come help him. So, yeah, so that's the end of chapter one. So
4: uh, one thing I want to hit on real quick when you're talking about Ravage and Starscream fighting, yet again they do it again. Where unlike the cartoon, where it's like ha ha ha, Starscream's fucking stupid, ha ah, ha, he's an idiot. Ravage is like, oh my god, he really is like one of the best flyers I've ever seen, and he's also like, I don't think I could take him. And it's, again, not just short-changing Starscream, which I actually like. I like that instead of the cartoon where they're always like, Starscream, you idiot. You know, they're like, oh, well, maybe this guy does have some fucking skill. You know, I, I thought that was kind of a nice little touch. Well, the, chapter the, the, one.
0: Go ahead.
3: No, no, no. Go ahead, Brad.
0: I was just going to say uh, chapter one did have my favorite line of the entire five-chapter series, and that is, surprise, sucker, when a <laughs> Ravage like bursts forth from the sand to sneak <laughs> attack Starscream.
3: Yeah, no, I I think that was like a good fan aura moment for Ravage. Like he got to he got to make a good showing before he he crumpled under the the wrath of Starscream. But even even so, I mean they, they do go to great lengths to say like probably any other flyer would have been nailed by Ravage in that situation. But, but it was like one of those things where it's like oh, he dodged that blast, like how can this be? You know, so it's like they, they were trying to set up like what a not not only a devious you know individual starscream is but how adept he is in the air and in his element you know
0: also yeah. cool that he had a chance to actually use those hit missiles because they sat there for a long time in the show
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: rody got to finally fire them off
2: i think this also starts the trend that um like what do you call it? It'll show up a lot in, like, Simon Furman's work that Megatron and Ravage are, like, buddies. Like, it seems like Ravage is the one who, like, buddies up with Megatron and, like, say, like you know, points out, like, you know, Starscream. Yeah, he's got a good plan, and maybe you shouldn't let him walk off. And Megatron's like, you know, follow shadow him and stuff. So, you know, Megatron and Ravage seem to pal around a lot in these U.K. stories.
4: Yeah, uh, no spoiler, because it doesn't really matter since it doesn't happen. But, yeah, Soundwave's not even in this fucking story.
2: Yeah, no, not, what do you call Ravage? Yeah, it seem, Ravage, Laserbeak, and Buzzsaw, and, and even Rumble and Frenzy seem a lot more, like, independent of Soundwave in these, like, especially in these earlier stories.
3: Is that probably because it was easier to write stories with those characters, since it wasn't highly likely that Ravage or Buzzsaw or Laserbeak were going to be a key part of the U.S. comic line? Yeah, definitely, you know, line? yeah.
4: Well, I think a lot of people also forget, too, like, in the first wave of Transformers, like, we really didn't have a whole lot of fucking bad guys.
2: No. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, that's true. It always Yeah, it always seems like the Autobots are on the ropes, but they, like, outnumber the first wave of, like, Decepticons by, like, at least, like, I think, like, eight guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But.
4: Um, I was going to ask you, Mike, uh, what did you think? I mean, there is one thing that is really positive about this. It's like, yeah, sure, Starscream gets a shiny moment. But this is kind of a bronze story, and where the fuck do you usually get that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I, I found it odd because you'd think like this is Simon Furman's like first story, but he never really touches Braun again, like in any significant capacity in his entire career after this. <laughs> so you'd think like, you know, he would like you know, have some kind of fondness for Braun or something. Like obviously Starscream and Ravage get a lot of play, but Braun is like I, I don't I can't even think of another like comic story at least where Braun is the focus. Probably yeah. that's
3: because he, he didn't have very many chances to shine toy-wise after his initial toy, right? I mean, yeah, that, you, that could, was you it. could always you could always argue, well, Starscream had a pretender, Starscream had an action master, you know, there, there were other opportunities for them to want to, I guess, pimp that character for for sales reasons, aside from just, you know, story reasons. But it doesn't right. seem like, it seems like once Braun had his... His moment in the spotlight. I mean, he did get a lot of exposure in the the first season of Transformers, but you couldn't say the same thing by the time you got to season two or season three. You know,
4: I I think he kind of fell into the trailbreaker and like characters who writers just pick their favorites. You know, it's like they'll be like, "I like Ironhide. I like. I mean, me and Mike love Prowl to death, but Prowl really didn't do shit in G
2: one, really. Yeah, in the original cartoon, he was pretty much a non entity.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, that's
2: why I was, like, you know, kind of impressed that they actually picked Braun
4: for, like, a focus of the story, and also his buddy Mirage, who actually, he gets more love than Braun, I'll give him that, so, I mean, that's not so out of the box, but, yeah, this is definitely, like, a
2: Braun, Mirage, Starscream, and... No one's being kind of a dick story. <laughs> no one I think makes... What do you call... Uh, makes a very... Like, is given very good focus is just how strong Braun is. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. like they, he's kind of, like, Hulk-like in this. Like, and, you know, they're they're kind of like, we gotta, like, help Sideswipe before Braun, like, kills him and stuff, you know?
4: Yeah, which, which is often glossed over. I know Brian and Mike know this, but, like,
2: before Series 2, Series
4: 3, and, you know, Grimlock and all those guys came around... Like, in Bronze Tech it says he's the strongest Autobot in the first wave of toys. It's like second only to Optimus, yeah.
2: As as and as we mentioned, one more thing before we move on to the next chapter, uh, as Brian mentioned, like I guess Sideswipe's like character model wasn't available or wasn't on tap because <laughs> like Sideswipe looks like nothing like aside from being red and black. I mean,
4: <laughs> he, he looks like
2: a Viacon in one part. <laughs> yeah, he's got like no face. He's just got this weird like Y shaped visor and like yeah. C- just, correct me if
3: I'm wrong, but that's not even a a toy accurate character design is it
2: no it's it's like a it's just, just kind of like
3: this random made up design yeah because even when i was looking at i was kind of like it's weird it sort of changes over the course of the five chapters though doesn't it
2: yeah they must have found like the character <laughs> model or something but yeah, yeah. Defi-
3: definitely in this first chapter you're kind of looking at them going what are you an omnibot in disguise like how, what <laughs> did the omnibots like sneak on board or whatever
4: I remember that close-up after, like, you know, Braun lets go of Sideswipe, and he's like, you know, like, oh, what, I must have said something wrong. And I'm, like, looking at him I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I mean, they say maybe, sideswipe, maybe uh, but I sideswipe but I'm like, who the fuck is that?
3: <laughs> maybe Bron took a cue from Movie Prime and, like, stole Sideswipe's face or whatever.
2: <laughs> Give me your face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Prepare for a very large headache. We'll move on to Chapter 2, which is subtitled The Best Laid Plans. Um, We open up with Ravage in a, I guess, fairly iconic image of Ravage, like trudging through the desert. Apparently, he survived being, like, buried under 90 tons of rubble or whatever, dug himself out or whatever. And he's he's pretty much pissed off at Starscream for, like, doing that to him. And uh, he walks for a while, and he collapses, and thankfully Megatron shows up. And Megatron's like, oh, Ravage, like, which Autobot did this to you? And Ravage is like, it wasn't an Autobot. It was soap poisoning. I mean, Starscream. <laughs> You can see, like, Megatron looks like kind of, is probably like thinking in his head, like, yes, yes, this is exactly what I wanted, but he's kind of stony faced, and like, the Decepticons behind him are like, oh my god, like, oh! (gasps)
1: Uh (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Oh!
2: Anyway, uh, Starscream's, Starscream's enacting his awesome plan to get people to help him by, like, killing a bunch of humans and stuff. And he's attacking the airbase, and the humans are scrambling their jets, so they're having a little fight. Um, That's what I do. I'm like,
4: man, I need somebody to help me move next Wednesday. I'm just going to go kill a bunch of people. <laughs> exactly. you <It> just... <laughs>
3: Uh, like, Did you see the way Tony sliced that guy's head off? I'm moving his couch next week. <laughs> Tony
0: is a moving leader. Uh,
2: uh, anyway, Get that you- vase, someone.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> back uh, back at the Ark, uh, the Autobots are uh, arguing about Braun have- punching a hole in the ship and running off, and Uh, A very, as Tony mentioned, a very dickish Optimus Prime (laughs) tells them all to shut their stupid gobs and tell them what happened. (laughs) And uh, they call Mirage. Mirage gives an account and he's about to say something very important to the plot, but Optimus Prime (laughs) tells him to shut the fuck up and moves on. And the sideswipe tells him that you know, Braun, uh, Sideswipe, who now has a face, tells him Braun, uh kicked his ass and smashed through the wall, and like is going to go like wreak havoc somewhere. So Optimus is like, Oh, we got to, we got to stop him before that happens.
0: I think a hidden subplot was that instead of actually crushing Sideswipe's face, he uncrushed it. Flapsed yeah, I know.
3: It, <laughs> must was have, like, he must totally have, better. He, he kicked my ass so hard, I now have a mouth.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> that right. fell to like page twelve of the comic though, so it got cut out.
3: He just like,
4: oh, I feel so much better.
2: Damn, <laughs> <laughs> his, his face like popped out like a zit or something. Like <laughs> uh, anyway, in the in, at that moment in the small town of Saint Petersburg, uh, some dude is saying goodbye to his wife or whatever and driving last off. Last time, for the, the last time, and uh, Brawn like drives into town, and pretty much starts ignoring traffic lights and, like, like making cars crash and, like, some, yeah, some poor dude uh, swerves and crashes into another car going, no, and blows up. Shit, like, hit Robotech levels when I thought, I'm like, Jesus Christ! yeah exactly. <laughs> no,
3: He's okay, guys. He's fine.
2: He's he's, he's, oh, yeah, we could see a parachute coming he, out he, of he, think he, that he's car. He's fine. He,
3: he, he's just a
2: paraplegic for life. But he's okay. I, I just wanted Milk! <laughs>
3: Miracle Man's like, There were people in those cars. Oh my god
2: <laughs> Well anyway, a bunch of cops like try and stop Braun, but Braun transforms and he's like, Insolent human, you dare threaten Braun in that like a voice that you know we're so familiar with. He sounds just like his cartoon self, you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, Insolent
4: human, you dare challenge Braun <laughs>
2: And uh, in, in true Marvel Comics fashion, uh, the cop opens, opens fire on Braun, and since we can't, like, see it in motion, he has to describe that, oh, no, my bullets have no effect, you know?
4: There, there's, a nice, there's a nice, like, you know, terror shot where he's like,
2: oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Braun pulls a little, like, proto, like, tailgate. Uh, like thing here, dude.
4: That so was like what I was thinking. Yeah,
2: go ahead. Yeah, yeah. like he, he like thinks the cars are like like sort of like him, like sentient beings, and then he's kind of like I've freed you from your human oppressors, but the car doesn't respond. So, like probably my favorite line from this story is: he, he, Braun yells at the car and he goes, "You ungrateful! <laughs> if you won't take that brand of freedom, take this. I shall free you from, from
0: liberator to destroyer in an instant." <laughs>
2: exactly. In a in an
3: instant No, he he still liberated them. <laughs> from this existence. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just the car cool. guys. Come on. They're no longer they're no longer imbeciles, you know? Yeah, but if he really thought
0: they were, like, sentient beings like he was, they could be tired from slaving it out to the humans all day. And they're just basically maybe, sleeping. Maybe, or maybe,
3: maybe he just thought that, like, in Planet of the Apes, where they cut out their brains and they're just kind of mindless guys that are drooling, maybe he just thought they were, like, drooling. Cybertronian morons and he's like it's better off that I just smash it to pieces than to see my fellow Cybertronians running around like mindless zombies going Bleh.
2: Ron, Ron oh. does go, like he follows up on that. He goes to town. He goes into a parking lot and he starts destroying cars like wholesale. <laughs> It's so angry.
4: and and I agree with Mike, is like he does not talk like Braun in this. He he's 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 full on like Rhinox evil from uh that one episode of Beast Wars where he's just like, you know spouting like great super villainish like cliches and stuff.
2: It does not sound like the uh Yeah, he's like he's like guy. kind of he's like very intellectual about his like brut- brutishness, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know. In in any case, uh, Starscream's killing some humans of his own. He's, like, out flying a bunch of these poor Air Force men, and uh, much like the human that Braun killed, like, uh, Starscream, like, shoots down an Air Force jet and the pilot goes, No! <laughs> it's <laughs> a bit different because of Starscream, but it's still like, man, there's a big death toll in this little yeah. side story. And there's no there's no parachutes here. Like, you see the plane go down in flames. Yeah, uh, it's like right in the cockpit. It's like, no, you're fucking dead. <laughs> So, anyway, Optimus Prime is watching this at the Ark, and I guess, like, after seeing, like, six planes get shot down, he's like, this is enough. (laughs) Okay, we have to (laughs) stop. Four is fine, but six? Are you
4: fucking crazy?
2: (laughs) But what we don't know is Optimus is not actually watching, like, the jets, like, or Starscream, like, killing all these humans. He's watching the rampage that Brawn is on, so it's like he doesn't even know about that yet. But in any case, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, Optimus sitting there at
4: the computer terminal. Teletran, one's like, Optimus
2: Prime, Starscream is on a rampage in Oregon. Hey,
4: can you see I'm missing my
2: Jeep right now? <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny because, like, Braun's destroying all these, like, empty vehicles, and Optimus Prime is like, I have seen enough. He must be stopped.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Teletran's like, Emergency, Optimus Prime, Starscream is. You shut up, Teletran-1. You <laughs> shut the
2: fuck up right now. Shut your whore mouth and let me watch this. <laughs> well, any, anyway, uh, just to close out this chapter so we can talk about it in more detail. Um, yeah, I, uh, Braun is rampaging. The humans are running. Like, Starscream's rampaging. They're both calling out, you know, like... Uh, you know, who's who's going to stop me and blah, blah, blah. And simultaneously, the Decepticons arrive to uh, stop Starscream and or well, not stop him, but at least like, you know, take him down for whatever he did with ra- whatever he did to ravage. And the Autobots show up to stop Brawn, and Braun's kind of like, oh, you're going to stop me from like destroying all these empty cars over my dead body. <laughs> so that's that's where this chapter ends. I'd just
3: like to say, as far as the old-school Jim Shooter-esque one-page recap that fills us in on what was going on in the chapter before with Ravage and stuff, I, I appreciate that. I don't know how you guys feel about that kind of stuff, if you can't stand it or whatever, but that just kind of reminds me of old-school-style comic book storytelling, and, and I appreciate the fact that you know they try to get you all on the same page in case, you know, You know, every every comic is somebody's first comic type idea. So I, I like that kind of stuff. So I enjoy seeing that. I thought that Braun calling the guy and, you know, you insolent human and all that other stuff, it, it kind of reminded me of the style they tried to portray in the American comics where all I could think of was not so much like Rhinox going all balls to the wall evil, but the idea that human beings really, you know, there's no...
1: They can't tell they the can't,
3: difference. Yeah, they, they can't discern. I mean, at this point, you know, they don't know which is a good robot and which is a bad robot, and much less that a good robot has gone bad. Do you know what I mean? It's just there's some crazy fucking robot, you know, threatening to kill me type thing. So, you know, those are the, the main points that I, I kind of wanted to hit on.
4: I, I yeah. like the uh, part where uh, at the end, right before the the big showdown, Okay, yes, it's so obvious a baby can see it, and you know what's going to happen. But at the same time, I really like the last few pages where they did the, like, parallel uh, panels on each side, building to the climax, Whereas, like, you know... Brawn doing his shit and Starscream doing his shit. And if I was an eight-year-old and I was reading this, I was like, oh, man, the Septicons are going to, like, fucking kill Braun and, like, the Autobots are going to go save, like, the humans. And, like, no, that doesn't happen. The Septicons don't really save the humans, but inadvertently they do. And the Autobots are more concerned about their friend. And I just like the, like, the parallel
2: panels, how they did that. That was like, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yo! <laughs> yeah, I do like that, too. Um, I was gonna say, uh, um, that first, I really love that first panel, like, Ravage trekking through the desert, and, like, that, that is, like, one of the panels I remember from, like, the UK comics, like, I don't know, it's just very iconic to me, just the the tired Ravage, like, leaving a trail while he's, like, trekking through the desert.
4: Yeah, because he has, like, no back leg anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's, like, the art, or, you know, I guess he, yeah, yeah he, he, his leg is severed. You're <laughs> right, Tony. I, I I that sounds I weird,
0: because I imagined he's, like, 15 feet away from base,
2: so it yeah, looks it like it quite a long like
0: trek yeah. for how short, <laughs> short of a distance it probably was, but...
4: <laughs> he was like, I, I got kind of turned around, I took
2: a left over here, and <laughs> I went into
0: town for a mellow yellow.
2: Damn you, Starscream. <laughs> well, not, not everyone can turn into a jet. <laughs> it's like Ravage <laughs> has to run or drag himself back to base. Or turn into a cassette, and hopefully someone will pick him up and throw him or something. Please rewind me. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize when I shoot my missiles, I lose all sense of direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he only lost one missile, he'd just be going in circles. For <laughs> like probably. the
4: whiskers thing. <laughs> um... But as Mike said, though, like, like Broad is being a fucking, like, pain in the ass in this one. It's, like, it's not just, like, him, like, shaking his claw to human like, oh, I'm going to beat you
2: up. He, like, kills people.
4: And he, yeah. like, destroys property. I, He's, like, I, I, being an ass.
2: I do appreciate the, uh, there's no, like, punches pulled. Like, people actually die and stuff. Like, it's, like, it, it seems like the, in the U.S. comics, it seems like that thing was kind of, like, vanishingly rare, but. Like, in, the, in these, it's it, there's really no, like, punches. Well, I guess there's punches pulled in, in terms of you, you don't see any of the aftermath, but you, you, I mean, obviously that guy died when he, like, flipped his oh, car yeah. over and crashed and, like, head-on into another car. <laughs> and the I mean, giant fiery inferno we saw. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. He's, he's, fine. he's fine. He's fine, guys. A like, couple there's small no burns,
0: good. but he's Okay. <laughs>
2: And yeah, and there's no parachuting guys out of the planes like Starscream shoots down. So that's you know that's a, a some a, a nice step. It's not like it's not like you know some kind of weird like like super realistic image thing where you see like the guy like turning to pulp inside his cockpit or whatever. But it's like obvious to like. Uh, anyone who's, like, reading it, that that they're, like, those guys are getting wasted, basically.
3: Can, can Can I just say one thing, though? The one bit of writing that I thought was odd to me, and I don't know if I'm crazy or whatever, like, but you guys can tell me if I am or not, but I thought it was funny that since it's a writer from the U.K., he kind of puts in the U.S. Air Force, like, specifically... But, like, I kind of feel like if the Oregon news was, like, covering this, they'd just be like, dude, our Air Force is getting, like, attacked by some weird plane with unknown decals. I don't think an Oregon news station would be like, the U.S. Air Force fighters, like that, they would like. Specif- it's like, of course, they're U.S. Air Force fighters.
2: We're in fucking Oregon,
3: like we're the Oregon News, like of course they're the U.S. fucking fighters. Like, well, I, what other fighters would they be? Like, I don't that, know. That,
4: that happens early on too, because like when the fighter pilot is like, let's show him what the Oregon Air Force base pilots can do.
3: No, 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 but that's that's kind of that's kind of expositional, like, like. Vomiting from a character, but I just I don't understand like why why it, it just seems like something that a, a it it seems like something that a foreign writer would do. It's like if I'm a U.S. writer and I'm writing a story about you know I don't know the the you know I don't know MI six or something like it's like only me only I would go ah oh, the MI six mobile like it's going to like totally like run over. You know the bad guy, like so. I, I <laughs> it's kind of like
4: kind It's like the Oregon Militia Province is having trouble fighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you, Mike, because we, me and Brian, we're kind of having a good laugh about this. Like while you're uh, doing a synopsis, what do, you, what do you think about Dick Optimus Prime in
2: this? Yeah, he's uh, he he is a dick, and he continues to be a dick for like the rest of this story. But I don't know, like I guess they hadn't had a gotten a good handle on him yet. Like you know, it just seems like he's kind of a like. Um I I guess almost like a professor, early professor Xavier, where he's just like, silent students, you know, like sort of. Well, I
3: guess, I guess in some regards, these Autobots are kind of like petulant little children. It's like, they're, they're assigned a task and what do they do? They get electrocuted and fuck it up and start beating each other up like little kids. So of course, Prime has to come and be like, all right, everybody, shut up, shut up, let me think." But he sounds kind of like a dick when he does it, where he's just like, he's like, you. And and like, it's like one little kid's like, um,
2: but yeah, i think i know what's shut up, up. <laughs> uh, you know? just just the facts
3: yeah yeah
2: because so like,
3: uh, yeah, he's like he's like he's like well then i went and i got a lollipop and then i did this and then i did that shut up just the facts you know
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, like i will need every detail of this investigation except for the details i don't want to hear about then you shut your <laughs> <fucking> mouth <laughs> hmm.
0: it kind of gave me like a callback to uh like the first uh, Transformer series on TV where he falls out of the sky, you know, and they're like, are you okay? Yeah. I'm, like, yeah, I'm fine. are like, are you sure? Oh, I'm fine.
4: Yeah, <laughs> give me your jet pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, this is an integral part of my system. I don't care, Science. Why you got your face back? Shut the fuck up.
0: It's my life support pack. I'm
4: over <laughs> Mm. Well, Don't take my three.
2: reactor
0: away,
1: Daddy! daddy.
2: <laughs> I'll rip it from your cold, lifeless chest if I have to. I'll kill you to get it, I swear.
3: <laughs> I'm freeing you. I'm freeing you from a life of uh, drooling mediocrity.
4: You're just a car now.
2: <laughs> hey, little buddy, you feel tough enough for another go-around? Okay, uh, chapter three, we'll move on. Um, crime and punishment. Dot dot dot. Or well, the dot 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 was after the crime, but you you get you get the drift. Anyway, so uh, the the Autobots try to fight Braun, but he totally owns all of them except for. The bizarre appearance of Red Alert, who has the time-honored strategy of hiding behind a wall and sucker-punching someone when they walk by, which apparently is Braun's only weakness because it knocks him the straight the fuck out. <laughs> so I, I, and he, I, love, I love Red Alert appearing out of nowhere and doing that. It was just like, I've got a plan. <laughs> exactly. Like that was his whole plan, was hide, sucker-punch him. But... I don't know, that knocks Braun out, like they, what do you call, ratchet, tasers him, and uh, they just drag Braun's ass out of there, so that situation is all, like, solved. Meanwhile, uh, Starscream's running away from the Decepticons because Megatron's ordered them to, like, attack him and stuff. And Starscream's kind of like, how did it all go so badly wrong? And then, like, you know, he again, what Derek mentioned is like a sort of Jim Shooter-esque, like, flashback of uh, what exactly happened between them. That Megatron ordered them to, like, attack him because of what happened to Ravage. So anyway, um, Starscream uh, fights off Thundercracker and Skywarp, or or he doesn't fight them off. He just sort of fights them, and he gets shot down, basically. Megatron uh, confronts Starscream and says, like, you know, okay, well, I've got my excuse now. I'm going to sentence you to death. But Starscream pulls, like, some Lego mumbo-jumbo and says, you know, hey, I'm a Decepticon warrior. I have the right to a trial by combat. And the other Decepticons are like, oh, yeah, he does uh, Megatron, do you know. <laughs> Megatron's like, okay, fine, we'll do that and so anyway back at the arc um, Braun seems to be back to his normal self but for some reason uh, I guess he's an untrustworthy character because Prime can't take him at his word that he's really better <laughs> something horrible happened to you and it affected your personality but I don't trust your fucking ass <laughs> exactly like if Prime can't trust this um, Mirage tries to tell Prime again that he has a good like theory as to what happened to Braun but <laughs> Optimus oh will God. not hear Daddy,
1: I think I know what? shut up
2: <laughs> exactly optimus will not hear it he gets he gets quite snappy with mirage in fact yes
3: i i think i think if he let him talk though we, we wouldn't have a story so i think it's we, true we yeah that, yeah
2: but eventually uh, he does mirage does manage to get through to optimus like for the in, in, the third attempt like optimus finally listens to him back at the decepticon base megatron's reviewing a tape of a previous trial by combat back on cybertron between two made up characters uh, earthquake and tornado so earthquake and tornado ended up destroying each other so Megatron's like, well, that would be like awesome if I could somehow manage that, but like, who who can I find to like be expendable enough to fight against Starscream? So Ravage pops up because he was in the room the whole time, and you know Megatron's kind of like, you were spying on me, and Ravage is like, no, dude, I was just like, you know, here, and uh, he <laughs> apparently trying to help,
4: man, just trying to help.
2: Uh, Ravage has caught wind of what happened with Brawn, so he. he he get, puts the idea into Megatron's head, and Megatron calls Optimus Prime and says, you know, I hear we are, we're having similar problems conveniently, like, at the same time, and, you know, why don't we do this whole, like, battle to the death thing, and it will solve both our problems somehow. And Optimus, for some reason, thinks this is a good idea. <laughs> no, he's like, dude, I will
4: totally send one of my guys to get... Fucking killed that'd be awesome
2: <laughs> so he asks braun and braun's like oh yeah sure i'll do it yeah <laughs> and <laughs> uh the Optimus and megatron like make the arrangements and uh ravage is going to be uh starscream's like observer in the battle and the mirage will be uh braun's observer so what do you call it? they go off to into the desert again and uh as for braun this is the, the ...determine whether he's still loyal to the Autobots, and as to Starscream, this is his trial by combat, by, if if he survives, I guess he gets to keep living, so, that's the end of that chapter. Well, not it's, not, it's like, not, it's like,
3: not quite, but, yeah.
2: It's, it's like the
4: Spock-Kirk battle, and, except for the fact that Braun isn't fucking crazy like Spock at this point,
0: <laughs> he's like, I just gotta fight, <laughs> I, I
3: I know we're giving Optimus a hard time, and, and Optimus is being a total dick for the majority of this storyline. But I, I do want to say that No Face, Poopy Head, Ratchet doesn't really offer him any reassuring like answers. Where he's like, "Look, you're my medical expert, bro, and you're supposed to be my best friend, or whatever." Like, is Braun like sane again? Is he going to start going out there and 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 you know making people? Parachute out of their cars in fiery explosions <laughs> or not, you know? And and Rex is like, well, if the, you know the framostats on the thing, it might just do the trick. And Prime's like, ifs, mights. I don't, I don't want any of this like maybe bullshit. Like yes <laughs> or no, you know? And they can't give him a straight <laughs> answer, so I don't, I don't blame the guy if, if you don't give me a straight answer, I'm going to be pissed off too. So
4: I think one of the biggest failings, though, it, it's like. Megatron in the old days, or like, you know, the Megatron you're used to, would just send out a Decepticon who could beat, you know, Starscream Nats, which, you know, obviously is harder when you don't have somebody who beat Starscream. But I thought it was a nice little swerve where he's like, I'm gonna go ask for an Autobot to do it. And I just thought it was funny that Prime's like, dude, I totally got one who's been
2: getting on my fucking nerves, and, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like, how convenient that we had the exact same problem at the exact same time, you know?
3: Well, again, I I will play devil's advocate and give Prime some props, because, hey, at least he's like, dude, there are some conditions, Megatron. Like, I'm not just going to send him out there willy-nilly, and Prime's the one who comes up with the idea for people to have their little uh, observers, so there's like fair judgment or whatever, and it's also prime that says, can we take them out to like a DBZ middle of nowhere location so <laughs> no more of these puny flesh assholes burn fiery horrible deaths from missile, you know, reflection or you know, brawn going on a crazy wild goose chase on the the uh, neighborhood freeways or whatever.
4: Yeah, and I mean it does it does build to the the fact that. Mirage did tell Prime something super secret important, so you do assume prime has a plan. he just seems more he just seems more Machiavellian in this light like, sense. He just like hey, shut up. plan. my sleeve yeah, like, I've got shit you don't even know about Megatron.
3: <laughs> you know just like geez, okay,
4: <laughs> a little evil there I mean on the can, side can of, we
3: can we talk about earthquake and and um tornado? Tornado. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. I'll, sure. I'll go, go for it. I'm just—I I don't know. I've got that little guy in my head, the—the the guy that is like one of my old friends who always used to get mad at, at Dragon Ball Z when, like, Frieza would talk about baseball or something. Where you know, it's like, well, how do they, how do they know about baseball? And it's like, oh, it's space baseball. You know, it's a space tornado. <laughs> it's a, it's a space earthquake. I'm like, well, it's not the planet Earth. It's the planet Cybertron. Like, maybe they could have been called like. You know, Cyberquake or something? I don't know. I know it's like a or, silly or
4: like or like what Megatron fight. says, tornado, just like his namesake.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like obviously, what? Oh, there's tornadoes on Cybertron. Okay, like that's interesting. That's you know, it...
0: I got mad. It looked like actual like dirt that they were fighting on, not um, you know, metal because uh-huh. they're supposed to be on Cybertron. <laughs> it's like weird that his powers worked. It's like okay,
2: <laughs> I could affect the land. There's no land here. I can affect the land. Shut up. <laughs> Well, I guess I don't have a problem with that just cuz I don't know like it it's like um Did I don't you know put, it's like, Does
3: the dirt give credence to like botanica and organic No, no,
2: not not that, but the, <laughs> like the, the, their their names like I, it, I mean it seemed to me like a parable. Yeah, uh, but I I'm just saying like I, I'm sure there's something similar to an earthquake that like they've encountered before somewhere that like, you know, probably has some different name in Cybertronian, but, like, it's, you know, you know, I don't think, like, like say Jazz, like his name, like, his name was Jazz on Cybertron, but I don't think they have, like, you know, like, bands of, jazz bands on Cybertron, or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I I don't have a problem with that, basically. I, I, I think the only thing that really
4: annoyed me, like, I mean, I'm, I'm going in a different aspect than Derek, and I understand this for the story, and I understand that, like, that's why it was done, But it just seemed really funny that, like, I'm going to look up a random encounter between two people. Hmm, there's Tornado, who's really quick and efficient, and, like, knows how to strike from above and has, like, air power. And then there's Quake, who's really more of a brawny guy who's really strong. And they destroy each other in the end. Hmm, that seems very similar to the situation I'm in. (laughs)
2: Thank you, yeah. It's a lot of. I guess that's what Simon Furman was saying, where he doesn't think this story is very good. He says he doesn't like all the conveniences and stuff that he wrote in, but you know, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of charmingly, like, sort of indicative of like Marvel comics, like at that era. I guess but, it's very
4: old school. I like that. I mean, it
2: yeah, is. I don't know. In trivia, um, both Tornado and Earthquake show up as part of Squadron X in Last Stand of the Wreckers. So, yeah, so Me. obviously James Roberts, you know, showing his, like, UK uh, roots there. But um, What did you
3: guys I, think about
2: Red Alert? Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Um, I guess, like, they, they talk in the commentary in the UK classics, like, I think, like Simon Furman says, like I don't. We weren't really thinking about continuity or who was showing up where. It was like whatever toys were available, we were using. So, I I think he was just the only
4: season two guy in there. Yeah,
2: yeah. I just think it's odd, like his placement. Like I, I don't. (laughs) I'm not. Well,
3: it's it's weird for me because I'm thinking like, well, not. um, I mean, I know in 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 real time, you know, maybe they they referenced Spider Man like three weeks ago. You know, but to me, I'm like, oh, this is the same story that they referenced Spider-Man in. So to me, I'm thinking like, well, this couldn't have taken place too much longer after Transformers issue number three. Whereas I'm thinking like, even if I I know Red Alert didn't appear by issue 14 with like the E Street band or whatever. But I'm thinking (laughs) if Red Alert was on Earth at any point in time, it, it would have been like after the whole shockwave... When, when
2: yeah, you know. his toy... When that wave of toys, like, were being... Yeah, it, it and... It seems yeah, like a very toy like, decision, wow, Yeah. because you know? well, it's do you funny, because... I was this just saying, say,
4: what, what, what do you think, like, Sideswipe would want to punch him after, like, getting his head crushed? Just saying. <laughs> mm, mm,
2: yeah. <laughs> he, do, he does have a more toy-accurate design than Sideswipe did, yeah. True. But I was going to say, this is... This is Red Alert. I think I'm pretty sure this is Red Alert's only comic appearance in the present day timeline. Like he he later shows up as part of a uh, Rodimus Prime's group in Time Wars, but otherwise like he's never shown up in the the actual <laughs> like Marvel Comics timeline. So no, I don't know, I
4: don't know why. I just like had yeah, this picture of like Optimus Prime again like sitting at his computer desk, you know, doing all the shit. And he's like, "I need someone to punch someone around a corner. Red oh, Alert is my only choice." <laughs>
2: I think people like to joke that, like, Red Alert came from the future just to do this. Like, he was, like, he he tried to, like, alter history or something. He was like, Braun escapes, like, in the regular timeline, but I'm going to just teleport right behind this wall and sucker punch him, you know?
3: I was thinking of the, the more paranoid Red Alert in the cartoon, and I was like, dude, yeah. if you're that paranoid, what a fucked up thing to do to somebody to, like, sucker punch <laughs> them behind the wall, you know?
4: Well, you know, I mean, to lean credence to Mike's theory, maybe, like, even though what he said was, you know, appropriate, maybe it was like, I know Braun's always coming around a corner, and i got to punch whoever comes around the corner, so as soon as someone comes around this corner, I'm punching them. That's, <laughs> he
2: came he, from the future just to punch he, people who scared he'd him. Been, he'd been waiting there for days for someone <laughs> to come around that corner so he could punch them.
3: Red Alert's like,
2: I'm from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I just punched
1: yours in mine. <laughs> yeah. He's
2: like, Shut up, red alert.
3: I'm here to save your future
2: <laughs> No what know what I really thought was funny was and it kind of reminded me of uh Walt Simonson's like Thor run at the, the very end, where Braun is like for the Autobots, and Starscream's thought bubble is for myself, and it kind of reminded me of like Loki
4: and stuff. Yeah, like,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it incredibly appropriate though. I mean,
4: uh, that, that, that was really funny, especially since it's a thought balloon. He's like, I'm not even saying shit.
1: <laughs> for me, <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Chapter four, guys. Yes. Moving on to chapter four, trial, dot, 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 and error, exclamation mark. Um, okay, so Starscream and uh, Braun are fighting, and Braun picks up a giant boulder and throws it at Starscream. It doesn't really reach him, but, you know, the effort is there. Anyway, they you know they kind of go through a little cut and thrust. Like obviously, Starscream has the advantage. He can dive bomb Braun and Braun can only drive around and hide and.
0: Hold know. on, you're telling me a jet fighter has an advantage over a freaking jeep with like a winch?
2: Yep. <laughs> I will, I, that's what I'm telling you. Yes. Uh, but he's, you got a, he's got a on. he's got a spare tire on top. Did you see the spare tire, Mike? That's true, yeah. That could have confused Sar Scream. Like, <laughs> like
1: There's a, why I does once... he have five tires? This makes no sense!
2: I once <laughs>
3: saw Captain Marvel toss a tire, so, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> it could be a dangerous
2: projectile.
4: Derek is going to be so upset when, like, Braun, like, breaks Screens neck
2: behind his back later on. Maybe, well, if you're going by, like, the, what, like, was it the old Captain Marvel, like, live action show, or? Uh,
3: it was the the old Legends of the Superhero show where he has a tire-throwing contest to Solomon Grundy, so. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I think you pointed out, like, the, like this common theme with those live action shows. Like maybe Optimus should have had Braun like fight a bear or something.
3: <laughs> Braun,
2: Braun should be fighting a bear. Prove your, prove your loyalty. <laughs> fight a bear. I, I, I just remember you making that comment. It was like, what is yeah, it? Every, with like, every, it's yeah, a rite of passage.
3: Everybody, like. everybody, everybody fought a grizzly bear in the seventies. That's how, that's how it goes, man. You got to fight a grizzly bear or you're nobody. You're nothing.
4: Oh, he could always
2: fight Chain Claw. No,
4: <laughs>
2: Jane Claw didn't even exist at this point. Neither don't. did Red Alert, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. He's from the future. He's from the
3: <laughs> so so. Wait, so just to get you back on track with the synopsis, though, Brawn like drives headlong into like a giant mountain, which apparently Starscream isn't paying attention to, and then he's gonna like pull up at like mock like. 27 or whatever, so... <laughs>
2: Apparently, yep, and he yeah. clips himself, like, yeah, at the very edge, but... But anyway, um... So anyway, the Autobots are, like, watching this fight with, like, popcorn and stuff, and they're, like, you know, whoa, cool, and stuff.
4: is <laughs> <laughs> like, he's gonna die, and, like, <laughs> Woodjar's like, yeah, I know, right?
3: <laughs> and then he...
4: I <laughs> know, <laughs> right, dude?
3: They're just popping the Energon, uh, Energon pops, and they're like, yeah, cool.
2: This is great. <laughs> Gee, Optimus, you should make like our friends like fight to the death more often. This is this is awesome. I don't know. And Ravage is hiding in the battlefield with a giant gun strapped to his back. He's supposed to be Starscream's observer, but obviously he has something else in store for Starscream. That's um, also
4: an, a really another nice uh, image. I like Ravage with a big ass fucking gun. For some reason, they look really cool.
2: Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, very like nice design too. And, uh, anyway, uh, somehow Starscream loses track of Brawn, and Brawn gets above him, like, uh, from on top of a mountain, and manages to land on Starscream, and with with a, uh, very cartoon Brawn-esque quote, That'll be the day!
3: Yeah, yeah, it definitely seemed like something that cartoon Brawn would do.
4: Hey, to be fair, Mike, he was climbing up that mountain really slowly, so I don't see how Starscream should yeah. have fought him. <laughs>
2: it's true, he's got square, like, claw hands, so, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Starscream manages to shake Braun off and drop him straight to the ground, and uh, he moves in for the kill. And at that moment, Mirage, uh, who was bronze observer, says, "It is my time to act. I must concentrate." So <laughs> we see Bron. Sorry, I thing about Mirage saying like, "Time for my time to act to run away like a coward." <laughs> it's time for my part, and he just like goes and runs off. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, we see Braun waving a crudely drawn white flag at Starscream, <laughs> like asking for surrender. And Starscream's like, Nah! And he shoots two missiles. And we get a, a on the cliffhanger. We get a frightened looking Brawn as uh, two missiles streak straight at him. So that oh, the
0: faceplate a- was more pensive. Not necessarily friends.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I took the downward slope of whatever like his little sparkly optics to be like sort of like oh crap.
3: <laughs> well they've got they've got the Rod Sterling captions there where it's like they say that a man's life flashes before him in moments like this. Can the same be said of an Autobot? <laughs> Does Braun see his life on Cybertron? The war with the Decepticons. The arrival on Earth in these last microseconds.
4: <laughs> Meanwhile, like, at the art. <laughs> Meanwhile, the like, fucking art wheel just like, I got the porn to look! <laughs>
0: Optimus is bouncing his checkbook.
3: <laughs> Keep it
0: down in there!
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defend. Prowl and Bumblebee and Cliffjumper or whatever because they they I, they were concerned for Braun, even though they're yeah. yeah, munching true, energy yeah. on cubes and everything.
4: We yeah. we make
2: jokes, but yeah, there were some who were concerned. Yes, they were. Mushy, but true. I like how Bumblebee's head there is extremely toy accurate in that it's like just, yeah. yeah, it's like draw, a drawn-on face like on a flat surface or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh
4: man! But anyway, but yes, yes. Synopsis continue.
2: That, you know, that well, that was the end of this chapter. Basically, it was just basically. It, it goes. I don't know if this chapter is a little shorter than usual, but it it was just a fight scene, basically. So. Yeah, yeah. So it the goes by pretty faster, quickly.
4: But. Yeah, I, actually, it is. I think it's forty eight pages when I, I did the math. So a little, little bit shorter than he
2: thought. So. Well, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll not move, a
4: big deal. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, we'll move on to the final chapter of the enemy within exclamation mark. Yeah, this one was just a big fight chapter, so it doesn't really go over, yeah. Chapter 5, Endings, dot, 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 and Beginnings, exclamation mark. So anyway, there's a big explosion when Starscream's missiles hit. And everyone's like freaked out. You know, they're like, oh no, Braun, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Braun has been destroyed. And like, <laughs> <Optimus> Optimus- who? <laughs> yeah, Optimus Prime is like just taking note of the events occurring. Shut
3: isn't? up, I'm trying to think.
2: Yeah, he's like, silence. <laughs> <laughs> just the facts. <laughs> just the facts. You has been killed. That's you all. Guys I... are getting too goddamn emotional.
3: <laughs> don't, let me wait and tell you what the fuck's really happened, you bunch of fucking sissies.
0: I don't need your additional commentary.
2: <laughs> Goddammit, You see this badge? It says Prime. <laughs> Anyway, uh, back on the battlefield, Starscream's like, Aha, I'm cleared of all charges. I've destroyed an Autobot. You know, my fellow Decepticons probably think I'm the bee's knees right now. But anyway, Ravage uses that giant hawking gun on his back to shoot a giant hole in Starscream. Uh, which serves, uh, two purposes. One, it's obviously Ravage's revenge for Starscream dropping a whole cliffside on him earlier. And it gets the other Decepticons believing that the Autobots, like, double-crossed them, Which, uh, also works in Megatron's favor, because now they're rallying behind him. Before they all leave, like, Starscream and, uh, I mean, uh, Megatron and, uh, Ravage have a little moment where they're like, Oh, our plan worked perfectly, you know, um... Back at the arc, uh, everyone's like uh, mourning Brawn, I guess, until Mirage comes in with Braun and there everyone's like, "How? Oh, what happened?" Blah blah blah, you know. And Mirage finally explains what he was trying so hard to explain to Optimus Prime that the electric shock that uh, altered Brawn's uh, personality also uh, enhanced his own powers to make holograms of himself, uh, or I guess use the electro scrambler or whatever. And uh, it allowed to make the illusion that Braun had been destroyed. And, so uh, somewhere where, like, how's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, I know. Well, well I
0: kind of like this, because I always thought the name Mirage kind of implied, like, being able to make illusions, not just making yourself disappeared. So I was kind of like, you know, right on, Simon Furman, you got his name right.
2: Yeah. Well, it always said, like, in his universe profile that it, it allows him to, like cast, like, illusions or, or give himself a different physical appearance, but they only ever use that to make him invisible in the cartoon. So, yeah. But in, in whatever case, Optimus Prime is like, you know, uh, now, Braun, now that you almost died, like, for the sake of like, nothing, you know, your loyalty has been proven. And, Good job, you want a fucking cookie, <laughs> exactly, yeah, and everyone's like, "Yeah, long live Optimus Prime in the auto lot. <laughs> yo, Joe, you know, I think guy guy sat here while Braun almost died. <laughs> when Braun
3: hits Ratchet upside the back of his chest or head or whatever it is,
2: <laughs> yeah, for, that's for <laughs> that's for
3: all the ifs and maybes you asshole,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you quack,
3: I kill people.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, our final scene is at the Decepticon he's base. He's fine, Tony. He's fine. <laughs> uh, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, Megatron, obviously, like, puts all this goodwill he's earned to good use, and that, what do you call, he's going to lead an attack on the Ark, and uh, everyone's really gun-ho behind, uh, uh, for this, and uh, that's that's where, it end, where the enemy within ends. And, you know, the story of the attack on the Ark will be told at a later point. Ah,
4: my convoluted plan where I could have just attacked the Ark and got everybody behind me has fairly good fruition by blaming out Starscream, saying he wanted to attack the Ark, but instead making him a traitor so I could attack the Ark, even though I could have done that five issues ago. Yes, Megatron!
2: I, I think it's funny that, like, Megatron's, like, leadership is, like, so tenuous, I guess, at this point, that he can't just, like, simply execute Starscream and be done with it. Like, you know, he has to go through this, like, convoluted thing to, like, uh, you know, get everyone on his side. But I guess that that's true for, like, Marvel Megatron. He didn't really have the loyalty of his troops.
3: Well, I guess, I guess in the frame of reference, though, he's coming off of Shockwave having been leading for a while, isn't he?
2: No, I think this happens before, like, Shockwave arrives. Like, it happens in between, like, panels or something, because... Mm. I forgot we Because, um, you know, he just mentioned that Spider-Man, like... Uh, yeah. We yeah. just encountered Spider-Man. So that's a so yeah, yeah. I would assume this take this story takes place in between, like, three and four, because it has to, because... If if it took place after 4, then all the Autobots would be strung up, like, in Shockwave's lab or whatever, and Optimus Prime would just be ahead.
3: No, no, I was thinking it took place after that, like, after 12, but, I don't know, maybe... Well,
4: well then there would be, like, Jetfire and everything else in there, too. Mm,
3: okay.
2: Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very, like... Uh, I think the official word is it takes place in between panels, mm, in, like, okay. after issue 3 or issue 4, but... Okay. I, I think what it really was is,
4: like, Megatron was like, I really wanted Ravage to go with me to Applebee's for, like, happy hour. And he said, yeah, I'm not really into it. So I made him my pawn so he would go with me to Applebee's because it's karaoke night.
2: <laughs> well, clearly, because, I mean, look how happy he is that his plan worked. I mean, I love that panel of him laughing like a toy well, I mean, he, at toy accurate Megatron.
3: He does, I, I think it does display that friendship that they have too because he he's kind of like Ravage is kind of like oh well you know he's a little taken back by the laughter but even Megatron's just saying oh it's cool dude like i i'm just this is great because not only is it working out for me but it also worked out for you and you're my pal you know what i mean like not only not only did i get to fuck over some Autobots and Starscream, but you got to fuck over Starscream too for trying to kill you. So, like, it just works all the way around. So,
4: <laughs> granted, he killed you because you're working for me, but it's okay. Almost. <laughs> I-, I think what I got from this series is one, Mirage doesn't get listened to by anybody. <laughs> um, two, Optimus <laughs> um, Prime is kind of a dickhead. 3, Red Alert is a time traveler.
3: <laughs> I guess he has to be if this takes place between panels of issue 3 and issue 4.
2: <laughs> no. <right? laughs> it's the only logical solution. I'm
3: from your future!
4: I, I will say, though, I mean, all, all sarcastic snarkiness aside, Furman may hate this story, but in all honesty, it's it's a fun comic story. It's Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah,
2: yeah that, I think there's a certain amount of charm to these early issues, like, not least of which is, like, yeah, all the, like, pre-production toy designs running around and whatnot. Like, even Megatron, like, he looks exactly like his toy, more or less. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's that one part in the first one where he's got, like, yellow eyes and his head's all like, <laughs>
3: His head is definitely like oh, 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 when he's talking about Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> it's like oh, 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 oh.
3: <laughs> when I first saw that, I was like, yeah. "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> it's like uh, it's like a Swarm from uh, Spider-Man, like bit Megatron on the ass or something. Like I am Swarm, <laughs> Swarm. <laughs>
2: Now as 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 Brian pointed out like this this whole like convoluted thing could have been avoided or or it, at the very least like he could have used Hound to create the hologram and Mirage would have never had to like be out
3: there either but I blame Ratchet.
2: Yeah, but or Ratchet's like Brian hips is surrounded and by
3: incompetence. That's that's he's not a dick. <laughs> he's just surrounded by incompetence.
4: I I will I will go into a fanboy moment for just a second though and say that like Sideswipe could probably fucking take Braun.
2: Sorry. <laughs> maybe. I I would say Braun is actually stronger than Sideswipe, but I'd say like Sideswipe is a better like fighter, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I
4: think he he would clever his way out,
2: yeah. I reserve judgment.
4: But uh, other than that, I mean like I, I like the fact that Starscream was really built up really well. They like gave him like, you know, props and stuff. His plan, Mike, you're correct. Not fucking and brilliant like they all said. Like there's the best plan ever.
3: <laughs> <So>, I <I'm> like. <laughs> wait, can I just ask another yeah, continuity question that might make everybody's head explode? So, what's the deal with Starscream? I mean, clearly he has a big gaping hole through his plane mode. Like, wasn't Starscream okay by issue four? Like, yeah. <laughs> so. uh,
4: comics, the, the the Marvel comics do that too. People will get fucking wrecked, and then the next issue they'd be fine. Yeah. Okay.
2: Like, uh, I guess they they try to explain it that there's a lot of time that passes in between panels, I guess, <laughs> in, like, the fourth issue. So that's where a lot of these early stories fit in.
3: Starscream went to Tahiti because it's a magical place?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's
4: exactly it. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, what do you think, Brian? Did you enjoy the overall story, or did it kind
0: I agree of you? with your assessment. Like, uh, it comes across as fun, and, like, it's easy to nitpick little things that I didn't like, but... Um, I feel kind of like Optimus Prime when I act like an asshole like that, so I guess, like, eventually I just decided, you know what, this was fun, and I'm just going to enjoy it, so I went from there.
2: I like, on the second-to-last page, Optimus Prime, like, is explaining, like, this what they did, like, the whole plan, and he says, I told Mirage that once Braun had proved his loyalty, he was to find a way to convince the Decepticons that Starscream had won. So like that implies that Optimus really wanted Braun to like go through with this, and like they couldn't have just cast an illusion like right away. Like and, like, they actually, like he actually wanted Braun to like risk his life. Yeah, go get your ass kicked, asshole.
3: Well, you know maybe maybe like if 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 they had gone to like a populated area and he had seen Braun like try to hump a red sports car or something, then he would have been like "Oh, just let starscream fucking blow him up Mirage. come on <laughs> home yeah.
0: come back, kids pizza night
1: <laughs>
4: we're done
0: <laughs> ron's no longer your brother by the way
4: <laughs>
0: ron had an accident I,
4: I, I think the biggest losers in this whole thing was the fucking humans
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they got like wiped out like that st petersburg's devastated the air force is shot to heck
4: and, and they're they they're definitely on
0: the losing end.
4: I, I like the like last panel, well, not last panel, but like one of the, uh, I think it's the part four, where like they pick up Ron, and they're like, I don't want to talk to the cops. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't yeah, want to true, deal yeah. with the
1: authorities. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least in the cartoon, when all the damage was done, you know the Autobots always repaired stuff and put things back together. You know, fixing roads, repairing planes. Here, it's I just I like I
3: don't, I don't think they want the poor guy in the car wreck to be Frankenstein back together. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... just like
0: story's over. Let's pass around some beers. <laughs> Long live me.
2: <laughs> well, hey, deuces. Sorry about your fucking town, asshole. Optimus Prime is like five zero. Let's get out of here. <laughs>
3: I don't want you to answer any questions. Roll up.
4: <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking DJ City. I got I got Chris Rock. We're good. We're leaving.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, Anyway, so that that was the enemy within. Uh, in our inaugural episode of Transformer Tuesdays. um, You can expect, like, more episodes. We're going to, like, you know, probably switch back and forth, do some, like, cartoon episodes, you know, some more comics, obviously. But, you know, this is pretty much what you can expect. We're going to, we're probably going to keep it to, like, older stuff, but you might see some newer, like, more recent things in there down the line. But that's about it. So uh, this is Mike Thunderwing signing off. Hey, this is... Don't! Don't! Just the facts. The (laughs) nuts. This
3: is Derek. This is Derek WC shutting up. Goodbye.
0: This is Brian Breakdown.
4: This is Tony, and I am Toy Accurate, not Tune Accurate.
1: The door!